Welcome to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada's podcast on fatigue. This podcast is part of a series to inform people affected by a blood cancer. My name is Desiree Naylor, and I am the Community Engagement Manager for the Prairies Region with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. I'm part of a team across the country that helps connect people affected by blood cancer to resources that inform, support, educate, and empower. Today, I'm speaking with Rochelle Ramsey and Kent Parley. Rochelle Ramsey is a registered nurse with her certification in oncology, currently working at the Tom Baker Cancer Centre on the outpatient systemic treatment unit. Rochelle began her career as an oncology nurse at the Victoria General Hospital in Halifax, Nova Scotia in 2012, and her passion for oncology has continued to grow ever since. And our life after cancer survivor is Kent Parley. Kent recently celebrated 36 years of marriage to his wife and his best friend Cheryl. They have three children. Kent and Cheryl enjoy spending time with family, traveling, and volunteering at home and abroad. In addition to Kent's active work with LLSC, he also serves as a director on the board at Wellspring Calgary and MRU Foundation. We are here to talk about fatigue, which is a common issue experienced by cancer survivors. Rochelle and Kent, thank you for being with us today. Rochelle, I'm going to start with you. Tell us, how would you describe cancer-related fatigue, and how is cancer-related fatigue different from normal fatigue? So cancer-related fatigue is the general lack of energy, a tiredness, or or exhaustion. And it's different from the tiredness a person would usually feel at the end of the day. The fatigue is not necessarily related to activity, and it does not necessarily go away with rest or sleep. And it's not always even proportionate to what you did that day. So everyday normal fatigue wouldn't last very long. It often gets better when you rest, um, but cancer-related fatigue definitely can be a lot more, a lot worse and cause a lot more distress for our patients and survivors. So people describe it as feeling weak, listless, drained, or washed out. Some people might even be too tired to eat, to walk to the bathroom, or even use the TV remote. It can be hard for them to think as well as move their body, and rest doesn't necessarily make it go away, like I said. Just a little activity can feel exhausting. Um, So how you would know if this is affecting you, it could be you feeling more tired than usual during your day-to-day activities. You might feel like you can't concentrate. The patients might feel tired, and it's not related to an activity in particular. They might even have trouble remembering things. They might put less effort into their appearance. They might even have uh, trouble sleeping, even though they're exhausted. They feel like they can't sleep. Too tired to do the things that they normally do. Arms and legs might feel really heavy and hard to move. And they might spend more time in bed than they normally would. Some people even might become sad, depressed, or irritable and frustrated with themselves and even with others. So some of these signs of fatigue can look a little bit like depression. And I just want to say that it is easy to confuse the two. So depression involves an inability to feel pleasure. um, And people who are depressed might feel sad or unworthy and may give up hope. So you can have fatigue and not be depressed, even if it seems like some of these symptoms may be similar. And sometimes it's hard to find a label for what you're feeling, whether it's cancer-related fatigue or something more like depression. So your doctor might ask you some questions to try and differentiate the two. So, Rachel, how many of your patients would you say experience cancer-related fatigue? So that's definitely a bit of a loaded question, actually. So true to true research, um, the numbers are very widespread. So some research articles say 
30 to 90%, some say 50 to 80%, like it's a huge variation. In my experience, it's probably pretty close to 100%, to be honest. What would you say is the major cause for cancer-related fatigue, and why is it particularly prevalent for people with blood cancers? Cancer-related fatigue is definitely multifactorial, so it has so many different things that are involved. The way that I like to explain it is, is that it can start prior to even being diagnosed with cancer. So it might be an issue that a patient has been battling for a while prior to even knowing what was wrong. And I really like to use this analogy of flowers growing in a garden to explain some of the fatigue that can happen prior to, during treatment, and after treatment. So if you can imagine your body like a garden, the garden soil is your blood and your tissues, along with all the water and oxygen and nutrients required for all of your cells or the plants in the garden to survive. You have beautiful flowers growing all throughout the garden, so these would be your healthy cells. But scattered among them, there can be a few weeds that grow. These are unwanted cells like bacteria, viruses, and cancer cells. So in a healthy body, represented by a garden, there would only be a few weeds scattered here and there. And they would just wilt and die on their own without disrupting too much in the garden. In a body with cancer represented by a garden, it would be like the weeds are starting to overgrow and actually crowd out the flowers. The weeds would be getting bigger and stronger as they're using more of the nutrients and water from the soil, not leaving enough for the flowers. So this is the same idea as what happens with cancer cells when they start to overgrow in the body. For cells to grow, they require energy and nutrients and resources from the body. When cancer cells are using that energy and those bodily resources, they're not leaving enough for the healthy cells to thrive. So healthy cells become weakened and their normal functions can become altered. And the body can become tired as cancer begins to grow. So some people feel this fatigue as a symptom of their cancer developing. So one of the things that often doctors will ask when you go and present um, with some problems, whether it's a lump or a bump, or whether with blood cancers, um, you know, you have some other symptoms like night sweats or weight loss or whatever it may be, they'll often ask, have you been feeling more tired than usual? And hopefully that analogy with the garden can help you understand why that might be happening. So similarly, in a body undergoing cancer treatment, it requires more energy for the damaged healthy cells to heal during and after treatment. So this again takes body's energy and resources, leaving a person feeling more tired than usual. As all of that cellular energy is being used to heal. So these healing cells are just like new seedlings in a garden that require more water and fertilizer and sunlight to start growing and a little bit less once it's fully grown. So these cells that are healing until they mature require a lot more uh, energy of the body. And also cells that are growing um, more quickly, so things like cancer cells, require more energy than cells that are in their resting phase or when they're matured like a healthy cell would be. So if cancer cells are growing quickly, they are using up those energy stores that normally healthy cells would get to use. So blood cancer patients are especially vulnerable to um, cancer-related fatigue, um, as many of their diseased cells in their bone marrow are what would be contributing to the body's cellular energy sources and circulating oxygen and making you feel good and providing your immune system and all that kind of stuff. Um, blood cells also divide really quickly 
in the body compared to some other tissues in the body. Meaning, like I said, that the faster they divide, the more they're affected by cancer treatments and the more they'll be required to heal after treatments. So for example, just to put it in perspective, a skin cell takes about 10 to 30 days to regenerate. So if you think of you get a sunburn, how long does it take to heal? But a blood cell only takes about one to five days to regenerate. So it's turning over exponentially faster than some of these other tissues in our body. Um, another reason that blood cancer patients are specifically more vulnerable to cancer-related fatigue would be the intensity and the frequency of these treatments. And then on top of that, many of these blood cancers, whether you're getting treatment or not, are kind of chronic illnesses. So it's something that your body is coping with all the time. So again, it takes more energy to heal these healthy cells that are trying to recover if you've had treatment, or your body is expending a little bit of energy with these kind of chronic um, cancer cells that just kind of exist in the body all the time. Never mind, there's often a lot of stress involved with a cancer diagnosis or cancer treatment, which can be so draining, as we all know from any kind of stress we've experienced in our lives. And there's a few other things, like sometimes patients aren't sleeping well, they aren't exercising, aren't eating and drinking the same way that they normally would be. So that's a very long-winded answer of why um, cancer-related fatigue comes about and um, why it's specific to blood cancers. Wow, thank you so much. That was a great analogy on how that kind of all came together. Uh, what are some possible treatments or coping mechanisms for people who experience the cancer-related fatigue? So it's important to treat the causes of um, this cancer-related fatigue. So if there are some physical causes, like something like anemia, or if someone's breathing isn't great and they have a low oxygen saturation, or if they're not eating very well and might be malnourished, we want to treat those first. And a lot of people do want to know if there is a magic pill or magic food or something they can take to help with their fatigue. So although there are medications and natural products that are being studied for especially the more chronic fatigue, as of right now, there is no magic potion. Cells just take time to heal. But there is some good news. There are some things that you can do to help manage fatigue. And the most important thing that patients and survivors can possibly do is keep their body moving. So exercise, it sounds so counterintuitive. It sounds like the last thing that people would want to do, but it is unbelievably powerful. The way I like to think about it is it takes energy to make energy. So I've had the privilege of attending a couple of talks done by um, Dr. Nicole Kulos-Reed. Um, she's a professor in health and exercise psychology, and she specifically has a goal in her research to develop physical activity programs that positively impact all of these physical and psychological factors that cancer survivors can experience to ultimately enhance their quality of life. So through her research and hundreds of other studies around the world, it's been proven that exercise can dramatically improve cancer-related fatigue and many other cancer and cancer treatment symptoms. It's been shown that more formal kind of grouped-based exercise programs give the biggest benefits to cancer survivors, whether during or after treatment. But there are things that people can do in their own home if they're not interested in these group-based um, exercise programs, like short walks um, or even movement within the home, going up and down the stairs, doing your laundry, you know, putzing around, doing all the things that we have to do every day, but making that conscious effort to get it done. 
And I want to quote this part because I don't want to misspeak. So based on the current literature, an effective exercise prescription, as you could call it, that most consistently addresses health-related outcomes experienced due to a cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment would recommend moderate aerobic training, so anything that gets your heart rate up, at least three times per week for at least 30 minutes with each session, and to do this for at least eight to 12 weeks to really find the best benefit. Some people can definitely add in resistance-based training, so using your muscles for strength and that kind of thing, at least two times per week. Uh, And this really has proven to show unbelievable benefits for our cancer patients and survivors. And I've seen it firsthand every day when I go into the center and I have patients that are trying to remain active in, you know, depending, it doesn't matter how fit they were before. Um, I've had patients that could barely walk up a flight of stairs and they've joined one of these exercise programs and I can see how well they're doing and I can see how well they're feeling after engaging in those type of activities. A couple of other things that can be really helpful would definitely be eating nutritious, energy-dense foods. So that means high calorie, high protein. That is what we preach in our kind of cancer treatment and recovery world when it comes to nutrition. So the better stuff that you put in your body and the more nutritious foods you put in your body and the more hydration you get in your body, the better you'll definitely feel. And the other big thing for treating uh, cancer-related fatigue is definitely to manage your stress. And I know that's easier said than done. Stress can be so, so draining and debilitating on the mind and on the body. So there are a few things that I would recommend to help manage stress, things like mindfulness-based exercises, potentially meditation if you're into that kind of thing, um, restorative yoga, breathing exercises, maybe one-on-one counseling or family counseling can be helpful if you're finding um, your mind is reeling and you can't get a handle on these uh, stressful situations. So these are all suggestions of what you can actually do to work with and even prevent some of the cancer-related fatigue. As far as coping when you do already have cancer-related fatigue, um, budgeting your energy is super, super important. And I want to use one more analogy, if I may, that helps people kind of understand this. So um, if you use the analogy of a drinking glass, Um, you can imagine the liquid or the fluid in the glass as your energy kind of reservoir. So imagine a glass of water that's about three quarters full. So at each time that you do something that requires energy, you have to pour out some of the liquid in the glass. Prior to having a cancer diagnosis, when a person would wake up in the morning, the glass would be pretty full. And with each task, you might have to use a few dribbles, like an eighth of a cup, maybe a quarter cup, maybe a half a cup for certain things that would consume energy during your day. But when uh, you go from one activity to another, when you eat a meal, when you take a rest, that glass fills back up. You gain more energy from those, uh, that bit of downtime. So your glass fills up uh, in between activities during the day. After a cancer diagnosis, imagine that full glass of water in the morning when you wake up, but that's all you get. That's all you get for the whole day. And it may require more energy, so you might have to pour out a little more liquid from your energy reservoir with each activity that you do. And when you rest or eat, it might not fill up the way that it used to. 
So you have to budget that energy that you expend for the day, just like you're thinking of a full glass of water. So in survivorship, patients may notice that their energy reservoir is starting to fill back up closer to the way it used to be. Um, but it can be a slow process that takes many months or even longer to get back to as close to normal as possible. So budgeting that energy. Uh, another couple of things that can help cope with cancer-related fatigue would be keeping a journal of how you're feeling each day. Almost everyone can identify patterns um, in their energy levels and other side effects that they might be experiencing. Uh, so you can usually figure out what's going to drain you of energy and what's going to give you energy. So if you take that into consideration when you make plans, that tends to um, allow you to really find joy in the day-to-day -day activities that you're doing without burning yourself out too much. And that can be as small as having a rest after taking a shower in the morning or can be as significant as, you know, if you have a big weekend of plans, make sure you do budget in some time to rest and recover from um, those many activities running around. So a lot of patients, especially blood cancer patients, are probably familiar with steroids. So meaning prednisone, dexamethasone. And some people love them or hate them. You know, they're, they're wonderful drugs. They serve their purpose, but they can be a bit of a beast sometimes. So for a lot of people, those steroids give them energy. So use that energy when you are on those steroids. Like, and, and kind of similarly, um, when you're on those steroids, you have to come off of them at some point. And a lot of people crash off of them. So to know what you're kind of going through and plan ahead. So using those steroid days to the best of your ability and planning for that crash of energy. So that's just an example of a way to plan ahead. Other things might be like using tools to help conserve your energy. Stuff like shower seats or walkers or canes to help give you stability that you're not using all of your muscles doing every activity that you would be day to day. Um, even walking poles or a shopping cart when you're going and get groceries, things like that. Just different ways to conserve energy. Short naps can be very, very helpful. And by naps, I mean kind of 20, 30, 40 minutes. After that, it's a sleep. It's not a nap. So, and it can actually deprive your body of energy if you're resting for too long during the day. So a quick nap can be very, very helpful and trying not to sleep after about 3 p.m. because after 3 p.m. your body's gonna turn in for the, for the night if you take too long of a nap. And uh, maintaining good sleep hygiene can be helpful. So going to bed at the same time every night, getting up at the same time every morning and kind of training your body into a bit of a routine. And of course, talking to your healthcare providers. If this is something that people are struggling with, you know, I've, I've gone over a whole bunch of tips and tricks here, but maybe that's not quite right for you, or maybe you've tried these things and it's not working. Um, so definitely talk to your healthcare providers because we're on your team. We're there to help you cope with whatever you're going through. So be open with us and um, be open with what your priorities are and how we can help you maximize your energy. And just one little other thing to remember is to try and be gentle with yourself. Self-compassion is um, a very tricky thing to learn. Uh, and especially when people are going through an experience like this, it's very easy to get frustrated or to get down saying, I'm not the way that I used to be. This isn't normal. I don't know who I am anymore. So try and be gentle with yourself and know this is part of the process. Remember that garden analogy. Try and understand why you might be feeling some of these things. Wonderful. Thank you. How can family and friends help someone experiencing cancer-related fatigue? 
So family and friends can definitely play a huge role in helping a loved one through a cancer experience and cancer-related fatigue that might go with it. So things like encouraging that physical activity, encouraging that movement, and even participating in something with that loved one can be super helpful. As I mentioned, group-based exercise type things have been proven to be the most beneficial for our cancer patients and survivors. So be part of that group. It, it makes it a lot easier to go do something if you have someone with you. So that can be great. Um, for loved ones, be aware of that cancer uh, patient or survivor's limitations. So, you know, if you've got a big event coming up, know that they might have to sit some of it out. Know that they may have to budget that energy and um, you may have to help them kind of realize their limitations and not push themselves too, too hard so they're not burnt out for long periods of time. Um, so offering help to, with day-to-day -day tasks so that they can save energy for what they love to do. And a lot of families that are going through a cancer diagnosis, there's so many people around that want to help and they want to do anything they can to help. And sometimes they just need a little guidance of how to help. So help in planning those activities and balancing the rest with activity, encouraging those good sleep habits, and allowing them to express those frustrations and not always just trying to fix it. Sometimes, you know, the cancer patient or survivor just needs to vent and express that this sucks sometimes and it's hard and they're tired and it's frustrating. So allow them to express that. Are there any resources that you would recommend for people to check out related to fatigue? So there's a few resources that I can definitely recommend. As far as something to check out online, um, there's a great video by Dr. Mike Evans. He has a cancer-related fatigue vet video. It's really a great illustration of what a lot of patients and families can go through. Uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada has a great uh, booklet called Coping with Cancer-Related Fatigue. So that'd be a great one to pick up that kind of highlights some of these things we talked about in writing. And Alberta Health Services has a cancer and fatigue video series. Wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing all of that information with us, Rochelle. We're going to move to Kent. Kent, welcome. Um, you are also an active Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada advocate, making a difference in the fight on blood cancers on many fronts. You became a member of the Light the Night Volunteer Leadership Committee, uh, became a trained First Connection volunteer to support newly diagnosed blood cancer patients as a peer support volunteer, but more importantly, you inspire all who hear your cancer journey. Can you share that with us? Thanks, Desiree. It's it's an honor to be here. And, you know, a number of things on the fatigue uh, piece, and, you know, it, it goes back almost nine years since my transplant. So just, just very quickly, uh, by way of some background, just to put some context around sort of my story and, and history, I was diagnosed with CLL at age 42. So I, I was a very active person, lots of energy, you know, put in long days at work and then a lot of activity afterwards, whether it was at home or out and about with the kids or, or Cheryl and I, uh, busy weekends, et cetera. And what I noticed uh, after diagnosis and, and pre-treatment was that not on a day-to-day -day basis, but sort of over the course of a month, if I'd look back, I noticed that I had less energy than I'd had previously. I found that more and more I'd come home from work and, you know, it was a chore to cut the lawn and, and we don't have a big yard. So things that I used to take for granted kind of uh, began to play me out. And, you know, Rochelle commented that uh, 
more rest seemed to be needed, but I found that I couldn't sleep well. So over time, that energy, both physically and emotionally and mentally, started to deplete and, and the fatigue set in. Uh, as I uh, started treatments, I really started to notice progression on the fatigue piece. So I started my first round of treatments August of 08, and it was every third Wednesday through to the end of December of that year. And, and what I found is that with each treatment, it seemed to take longer to recover. I hadn't heard that, Rochelle, on the, the, how quick the blood cells regenerate, so that helps to explain some of that for me. Uh, but what I, what I found was those day-to-day -day activities, so going to get groceries, cutting the lawn, shoveling the walk, uh, even walking up and down the stairs at home became far more um, tiring and, and draining. And as the treatments progressed, people would ask me, you know, how come you're feeling the way you are? Or, you know, how do you feel? What's the fatigue like? And I always had difficulty explaining it. And sort of the only way that made sense in my mind, and anyone that's a parent to young children or have had young children, will, I think, relate to this analogy. If you've got a child or children that are young and they get sick, they're teething, uh, you're not sleeping well, they're not sleeping well, you eventually get to the point where not only is it difficult to lift one foot and put it in front of the other, but just simple tasks, focusing on preparing a meal, doing the laundry, uh, getting dressed, showering, etc., becomes a real uh, difficult task. Your, your mind gets kind of numb and foggy, and that's kind of how I started to feel almost on a day-in and day-out basis. So, it was a real kind of, I don't know, like a, a tunnel collapsing in almost on me, um, more mentally, but then that also showed up on the physical piece. And as I mentioned earlier, in spite of being really tired, and this echoes your co earlier comments, Rochelle, I had a lot of trouble sleeping and was down to where I was only sleeping a couple of hours a night. Fortunately, uh, somebody at Tom Baker had recommended a sleep hygiene course that was run out of the Holy Cross Center, participated in that, and it just gave some ideas, tips, hints, best practices on sort of finding that way to kind of turn my brain off in spite of it already being fairly foggy and numb at the best of times and getting some sleep. So, so that certainly helped. Uh, in terms of sort of moving forward, uh, finished the treatments in 08, through 09, I, I did just sort of a, a quarterly um, uh, treatment to see if we could hold it in remission. And that worked early into 2010, at which point uh, the cancer returned. So later that year, again, August, ironically, of 2010, started a second round of, of treatments. This time, it was uh, every fourth Wednesday, and certainly the, the fatigue was far more pronounced. Uh, the chemo treatments were a little stronger this this go round. So my earlier comments on the fatigue, you can just sort of uh, compound that in, in terms of the effect. Uh, the biggest thing though I found was not only the, the physical, but really that trying to push myself mentally to exercise, like Rochelle said, and, and I would echo her comments, that is so very important. But I, I gotta be honest, I had a really difficult time to force myself to do it. Did some of the resistance training, uh, or tried to with the, uh, with the bands and, uh, you know, we'd get out and walk as much as we could, but it got to the point that uh, at the grocery store, I could sort of do, 
maybe one lap or a couple of aisles and would have to take a break and, you know, leaning on the shopping cart. Did you talk to your healthcare team about your fatigue? And if so, how did it go? I did, definitely. I had an amazing healthcare team. Uh, they were, were incredibly supportive, uh, very attentive, patient, uh, and they did provide some support. And, you know, one of the great things about the way they approached it and handled it for me was they were non-judgmental. There was never that feeling that I had or Cheryl had that they looked at me, you know, like I had horns growing out of my head or that, you know, I'm making stuff up. So they were incredibly supportive and understanding and very empathetic. Kind of going towards your, your family and friends, how did they support you when it came to your fatigue that made a positive difference for you? Uh, I'll say at the outset that both my family and my friends, uh, colleagues were incredibly supportive, not only through that, that portion of the journey, but uh, throughout all the years of, of my cancer journey. Everybody was non-judgmental. They were extremely supportive and understanding. They were empathetic. And no one ever made me feel that I was holding them back or that I was a drag on activities. Uh, they seemed to understand that uh, while they were, you know, they were more than willing to assist with tasks, they didn't do it in such a way as to make me feel guilty or inadequate. So, you know, for example, I'd, I'd go out and maybe cut the back lawn. I would need to wait till the next day to do the front. And there was never, uh, you know, pressure that, oh, it's got to get done right away. Uh, so that felt good. If we, we would go to the mall and walk, you know, if it was colder or raining, we'd try to walk around the mall if I would get sort of from one set of benches to the next need to take a break was perfectly acceptable. In terms of uh, work, because I, I was able to continue to work full-time throughout the treatments up until uh, May of 2011 when I went in for the transplant, my, my team at work was incredible. They, they never pushed or pressed in terms of wanting more detail. I, I'm kind of an open book, so I'd shared with them anyway. But they were very, very understanding when I would have to postpone a meeting, cancel a meeting, cut a conversation short. If I needed to say, look, I, I've got to take 20 minutes and go have a nap or, or just take a bit more rest, everybody was extremely understanding and supportive. And that really helped with some of that emotional and, and mental aspect of the fatigue the one thing that nobody ever did do, and this is one of the greatest positives in my mind, nobody ever said to me, I know how you feel, or yeah, my friend or family member or loved one went through that, and they had that too, and they tried X to get better. Nobody ever did that, and that meant a lot to me because they weren't trying to impose their feelings on me. They were simply accepting me for what I was, who I was, and what I was experiencing. Sounds like you have a, you had had a really great support system as you're going through this whole journey. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. How is the cancer-related fatigue right now? Is it kind of minimized? Is it still there? You know, I, I've been asked that before, and I would say that it, it's not certainly as pronounced. Now, I'm, I'm uh, 14 years older than I was when I was initially diagnosed, and it's been nine years since treatment, so there's a certain level of energy that maybe uh, draws down as, as the natural aging happens. But not, um, not as much on the fatigue. I, I would say that certainly post-transplant, 
I did deal with, uh, you know, issues around depression and, and some mental health uh, concerns. And uh, with the support of family, friends, and, and the psychosocial uh, support at Tom Baker have worked through that. So that can also, as Rochelle said, that can also sort of mask or show up in terms of fatigue as well. But I would say for the most part, uh, the cancer-related fatigue at this point is, uh, has subsided considerably. That's great to hear. What would you say, advice or kind of recommendations to other cancer survivors who are experiencing that cancer-related fatigue? I'm going to uh, shamelessly steal the comments from Rochelle uh, earlier, and and I'll open with that. uh, Self-compassion and be gentle on yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. That's that being gentle. Don't feel that you need to be overly apologetic to, to others. But I found, and I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of an open book. I found that by explaining my situation to those around me and those I cared about, it provided me with some peace in terms of being able to sometimes step away. Maybe I wasn't as energetic as I, I wanted to be or needed to be. People understood that. I know some folks have, have difficulty kind of opening up and sharing details of your situation. And you don't necessarily have to share everything. But let those around you know that, you know, you're going through some things right now. You're just not feeling the energy that you you normally have. And people will understand if they care about you and they're important to you, they will will understand. Uh, You know, a couple other things, I guess I would say that open and honest communication goes a long ways in an already trusting relationship and it'll help to build those trusting relationships, make them stronger. In the absence of people not knowing what's happening with you, they may make some incorrect assumptions, and sometimes that can can cause some issues and and, uh, relational pain down the road. So I would encourage you to share appropriately what you're experiencing. Let people know that there's days and times that you're just not going to be who you normally have been in the past. So on the flip side, what would you say to the support system, the family and friends of those that um, are experiencing the the cancer-related fatigue? Accept what the person tells you. Don't press or push for additional details. Uh, If I go back to my earlier comment, don't offer comments and advice such as, I know what you're feeling, I'm really tired too, or yeah, my friend had this, or my colleague or, or other loved ones. Don't be judgmental. Uh, just be be very supportive. Uh, if you're the person that has uh, cancer or the fatigue, if they're ready and willing to open up to you, they'll tell you in a way that they feel is appropriate and they'll share accordingly. If you do feel compelled to share or provide some suggestions or advice, I, I'd say make sure it's fact-based. Make sure it is with empathy and true compassion. So it might be, for example, something like, you know, I recently read that some cancer patients have found mindfulness or yoga to be helpful. Uh, Might be something like, you know, I know there's organizations like LLSC or Wellspring that have got programs that might help. If you'd like me as a friend, as a colleague, as a loved one to help you explore those options, let me know. But otherwise, you know, I accept what's going on with you. Uh, and again, just I would say don't, don't press people to get details. Respect the privacy. When they're ready, they'll tell you what, what's going on and, and what they need. 
Absolutely. I could definitely see that. Looking back on your own journey and everything that you've gone through, what is one thing that you wish people knew about cancer-related fatigue? I would say, you know, understand that the person with the fatigue, so the cancer patient, they're going to have some ups and downs. They're going to have some days that are better than than others. Sometimes it's hour by hour. Uh, They may need to lay down, like Rochelle said, after they've they've had their shower or or after walking up a set of stairs, they may may need to sit down and, and take a bit of a break. Um, Don't take anything personally. And and that was one of the great things that my family and friends supported me on is, you know, they might organize something and say, oh, let's go do this. And I'd say, you know, I told you yesterday I would be there. I I just can't make it today. Nobody was offended. They didn't take it personally. Uh, They didn't make me feel guilty. So they were just very, very understanding, empathetic, kind and compassionate. Lovely. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of the information you shared, Rochelle, um, but also, Kent, your experience with this. Um, Rochelle, you shared some great resources with us, but if you have any other questions about fatigue or need support to navigate through, visit our website at llscanada.org. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you have an idea for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your comments or suggestions to canadainfo at lls.org. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada is dedicated to funding cutting-edge research and supporting people affected by blood cancers. To learn more and access resources including fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts, visit llscanada.org.